I guess the sun came out in Manchester as opposed to it just being kind of you know cloudy all the time and all of a sudden and, and all of a sudden people were wa waving like glow sticks and and, um, yeah. and 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 it just changed from kind of you know everything that we still know and love and everything but to just to just something that was a bit more modern psychedelic I suppose Hi this is Lowell Tolhurst co-founder of The Cure and this is Budgie co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we, we drew, drew the map. So, today we have, as our guest, Mr. Tim Burgess. He's obviously the the singer in in the Charlatans. Yes, uh, and yeah. and yes. the harmonica player. And I didn't know that, but yes, yes I suppose yes, we, yes, we yeah. share a love, a mutual respect for yeah, the harmonica. Yeah. I love the harmonica. I play the harmonica. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah, and he's also an author of several books. He is. The other thing that Tim is famous for at the moment, in the last couple of years, when we've all had to endure, you know, the pandemic. He has sort of single-handedly rallied the troops together for music with his uh, Tim's Twitter listening parties. Oh. And uh, I believe that you've done uh, one or two of them. I've done, I've done a couple myself. You've done a couple. I've done yeah. one. We did Kaleidoscope, I believe. That was the one. Uh, it's, right. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, just a great thing. I mean, he's had some big names on there, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. And, and it's actually more exciting that it seems on paper because if you say to people well what do you, people ask me well what, what is the listening party and i say well everybody that's on twitter at the time can put the album on that you have the listening party for and listen to it and somebody from the band or involved with the music will explain all the songs and give you little anecdotes and photos as you go along and they say well that doesn't sound like it would be that tremendous but it's you know what it's really exciting yeah. and people really responded to it so he's he sort of single-handedly kept that going you know why everybody was in lockdown so yeah. should we bring him in lol should we bring i think we better timothy yeah. allen burgess this is your life fantastic wow <laughs> yes it's, it's, I'm, I'm already thrilled yeah one thing we wanted to ask you about because um we realized we weren't in england either me or budgie for the 90s at all you know we were like here budgie was in uh well budgie was here as well for a while and then he then he was in berlin and then he was in france and stuff so we weren't in england and so we missed the 90s we don't really know what went on so sort of outline for us if you can we won't make it too difficult but um you know your, your journey from from the time you started making music because we we always want to know about how people start you know, and, and what inspired them and, and how they felt just, you know, starting on this journey that brings us all here at this point, you know? My, my journey started in 1978 with a record that I'd asked for, but my nan from Bolton bought me Love Bites by the Buzzcocks. Wow. As a Christmas present. And that was my first memory of anything apart from 
little Jimmy Osmond. <laughs> so, so that was the first proper record that I was into. Long-haired lover from Liverpool. That was well, it, yeah, it? that was that was me, age six. Uh, 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 um, I, I read on Wikipedia. Can you believe anything on Wikipedia? I, I'm right. Not if, you can, if mine's anything to be judged by. Um, it said it said Northwich. Yeah. Was voted voted in two in 2014 the best place to live in the UK by the Sunday Times. Wow. That is insane because, I mean, last time I was there, which was actually 2007, 18, maybe, mm-hmm. it was just, like, really struggling. So, grim. Yeah, grim, yeah. Like, no, you know, I mean, because, obviously, you know, I, I grew up there and it was kind of, you know, just a buzzing small town, really, record shops and Woolworths and, you know, all the all the great shops. And... Yeah. Uh, you know, the, and, and the shopping precinct has not been replaced by anything. There's, there, I think, there's four butchers. Wow! And it's like, who eats that? Who eats that amount of meat? Uh, so, uh, uh, four but, butchers. They're at each other's throats. Four butchers at each other's throats, and 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 nothing else. All the shops next, you know, there's just nothing else. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I I don't go back to where I, I was born. I I believe in not. Crawley, you know, it's it's like one of those 1950s uh, new towns after the Second World War. You know, it's it's like it's kind of soulless, to be honest. You know, yeah. I got this book of um, boring postcards. You know, they all look exactly the same. You know, but yeah. So what happened really? Uh, uh, Manchester, really. Um, I was I was very interested in Manchester music. I was, um, you know, I guess a kid who got let in the back door and and. Um, all of a sudden I was, instead of watching bands, I was on stage, sort of like singing, doing my thing, and and, and did not tell me to get off yet. So that's kind of it. But, the, the, my, you know, it started for me in Manchester in the late 80s, and I was going to the Hacienda a lot, and all of a sudden, uh, I, you know, I was going to indie nights. And then on the Friday and Saturdays, uh, it was all about... Uh, there, was, there were club nights, so it was all like you know acid house and things like that, and that, and you could you could actually see the, the the cultural shift. Although I was ten years old when I got the Buscox record and, and and bought everybody's record after that, I felt that I'd missed out on punk, obviously because I was just that little bit too young. But this was like a, a an absolute kind of cultural cultural shift from what I'd known and what everyone had known before, and everyone. Just started dancing from then on, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, out, out of the band got a record deal. Uh, we toured all over the world and, and got to meet some really amazing people. So I remember going to the Hacienda sort of yeah. like fairly early on. And, you know, my experience in Manchester before that was like, you know, Joy Division, Buscots, Punk, you know, it yeah. was like, it, it was harder. So where was the point where all of that changed? Because that's probably when me and me and Budgie had just left at that point. So, yeah. yeah so I think the, the, the Hacienda um, was bought by New Order and by, leg, according to legend, you know, everything that Joy Division had made, you know, so uh, uh, Love or Terrors Apart, all, right. all, all, all the big hits, it helped to, get this nightclub going and and i guess i guess it just got more 
I guess the sun came out in Manchester as opposed to it just being kind of, you know, cloudy all the time. And all of a sudden, <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden people were wa waving like glow sticks and, and, um, yeah. and, and, and it just changed from kind of, you know, everything that we still know and love and everything, but to just, to just something that was a bit more modern psychedelic, I suppose. Right. It doesn't sound that new now uh, saying it because it just, things come and go all the time anyway, don't they? And, you know, yeah. I mean, we, we started off as a sort of like, psychedelic punk band really you know that's so that's where the the you get a connection you know that's where i understand it and like the top you know i mean is about as psychedelic as you can get you know and and one of my one of my favorite records you know so you know oh yes oh yes absolutely yeah that had, that was to do with mushroom oh was it <laughs> yeah. well it was andy anderson i can say it now because you know bless his soul he's passed away um Mr. A, he would brew. He would brew up like mushroom tea, you know, before the sessions. I think I could say yeah. that. Um, so I remember it was a very transitional album for us, you know, because we we'd done the pornography tour and everything kind of fell apart, and then we'd done a few singles that nobody thought we <laughs> could do, like pop singles. And that's when know, I first so started really getting. I mean, you know, I, I got into you at first really because of like the walk and um, and love cats, and then. You know, I mean, I'm obsessed by uh, pornography because yeah. it's so mysterious to me. Um, but you know, I really started collecting uh, records from from the top onwards. Really, yeah, the top was really, you know, it it was like I say, a transitional, and there was just the two of us. You know, Andy came along as well. Andy mm -hmm. played the drums, and I did some keyboard bits, and you know, pottered about and stuff. And it, it we did it at a Martin Russian studio out in. Um, Reading, you know, at the beginning of the Thames sort of thing. So it was in a little country village, and we we stayed down the hill in this this pub. I still have the key to the pub now. <laughs> you know, I could walk in it and open the front door and go in. But you know, we, it was kind of weird because we we'd be, you know, Robert. You know, I'm sure it's no surprise. Robert's pretty nocturnal, right? So we we'd, we'd yeah. be working late in the day, and we come back to the the pub where we were all living. You know, like I had one room, Robert had one room, Andy had a room. And the landlord said to us, okay, give us the key. So he gave me the key. And he said, when you come in, he said, you can help yourself to anything behind the bar. He said, just write it down, you know, and then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> write, write it down. <laughs> Courtesy oh. bar. Bad idea. I, have, I hope you kept that as well as the key, you know, the pad where you wrote things down. Yeah. Well, what We're just going to have a little drink now. Uh, we're going to have three <laughs> bottles of. <laughs> but the worst part was, I think, as far as the locals were concerned, was was that mm. several mornings we'd still be there as they started to open the pub up for you know the morning session. That's and when you just, know you've gone too far, isn't it? Well, yeah, and, and we'd, we'd go, the landlord would come down by that time and go, oh, you, you here, boys? You just got up? And we're like, no, we haven't been to bed yet. Can we have <laughs> yeah. some breakfast? You know, And he'd make breakfast. And the local, you know, the, in English pubs, there's always one geezer that comes in first thing in the morning, and that's his job. You know, he's like, he's got to be the first one in the pub in the morning, right? And we had this guy come in, and we're all sitting there with pints of bitter, you know, having a eggs and bacon or whatever you know and he looked very upset that he wasn't the first person in the pub that morning you know <laughs> <laughs> he's not the old bloke stirring at the sea is he no that's johnny buttons who we found on a beach down in brighton somewhere and and we filmed him right and andy vella and uh pearl 
Thompson, they 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 did all the artwork for that. So they filmed him down on the beach and uh, for the video of it, right? And it was an old fisherman, right? Johnny Buttons. And, he, and we invited him to London to come and see the video, you know, like, oh, come and see the video. And so he sat in a chair, watched the video. And, and at the end of it, he was quite, you know, sort of tactile guy, didn't say much. And he, and he said, my wife always said I was an ugly bastard. <laughs> and now I know I am. How long, how, how long have you been in uh, Berlin then? Uh, way too long to not know the language. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's, it's 10, 11 years wow. now. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, my life has changed since I've been here. I'm married again and two children. And, wow, and wow, wow, wow. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what happens next? You know, I thought I was going to have to move to LA like you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like Lowell did, because yeah. that was the only place that would have me. You know, yeah, I, I, felt, I felt that for sure. Yeah, because everything else, I'd, I'd, I'd burnt all the bridges and the band had gone and the marriage had gone. And I, so I was heading to LA right. yeah. and I realized it was, I pined for it because I, I used to go there and play a lot. You know, we used to yeah. gig there a lot. We gigged around America a lot. Um, Berlin, I, I don't know how it came to be here. It was just following, uh, following the footsteps of friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For us, you know, I always think about that Bowie song. You know, I've lived all over the world. I've left every place. You know, that's the line, right? And but I think to myself, what, what is it that drives musicians, especially, to live that sort of wandering life and and go? Is it because we feel outside of things, or is it because we feel part of different things? I mean, what do you think? Well, both 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 of those things, or because you kind of like live out of a maybe live out of a suitcase you don't feel settled and then you actually grow into it and you like it or maybe it starts a lot earlier than that i don't know yeah i think for me it started earlier i sort of you know i saw things on tv and i thought i want to go to those places you know when i first got to new york I, I, first thing i remember you know, i was like 21 and i driving down the, the you know into manhattan and thinking it it just looks like a movie it looks like a film you know it was funny, uh, yeah, uh, now you've said that, um, I remember sort of like having, having our first record out and uh, the boss of the label saying, would you mind going to New York? And I was like, what? You know, I just said, no, <laughs> it's like, I had no concept at all of ever even really going there. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear what's it like. He said, it's just like you see on the telly. I said, mm. okay, I'm, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> do you have do you have fond, fond memories of uh, of living in Los Angeles? I do. Yeah, uh, I lived in uh, Beechwood Canyon, and uh, so it was out of the way, uh, but a nice walk if I fancied it. You know, to like Sunset Boulevard, where you know, I feel it's part of my makeup. Really, I, I, you know, I'd always just felt like I was living out a childhood fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was for me as well it felt like a childhood fantasy yeah exactly I, I, I see one photograph of me and the first tour of the Banshees did that I was on and so it was me Severin, Susie and McGeoch and, and all the crew all on this like beat up old bus and and we stopped in the desert and Ray Stevenson took some photographs and I'm ro rolling a cigarette with next to a yucca 
cactus thing, you know, with with the kind of engineer's boots and the Levi's tucked in. I thought, this is what you two ended up doing. (laughs) We all wanted to look like we were like born on the road out on the trail, you know, with Um, no like no home and no address. And it was it was like a fantasy uh, world out there. It, was there a moment in time that kind of, if you like, um, I always liken it to uh, the, the, you know, the, the kind of shuttle leaving orbit where you kind of get, you're off by a couple of degrees and you end up going total different direction. You overshoot the moon completely. But is the, it was there some event that happened early on that, that sends you on your way that you go, I'm, I'm going to be leaving here. You know, I don't know how, but I need to get out. Was there a moment like that for you, Tim? Uh, well, just watching some of the pops when I was a kid, and watch, and then, and then, and then the tube. Uh, right. You know, and uh, so I, 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 I didn't. Think, I, I always think that I stumbled in, into it, um, but my mum said that I, I told her I was going to be involved in music when I was like really young. You know, and and that's all that I knew that I was going to do. But yeah. I don't. I don't remember saying that, you know. But do you have uh, any? Was your family just you, or was uh, your brother and uh, me, 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 me and my sister? Um, and but there's no real. I mean, my mum's youngest brother, who was only a couple of years older than me, it sounds, sounds a bit odd. But you know, she was the eldest out of six, and the youngest yeah. was only a few years older than me. And um, and he had lots of records, Jethro Tull and. Right. You know, some Led Zeppelin posters on his wall and he taught me how to play bass a little bit. And uh and then I got into punk music, you know. Um, so it was easier to learn. Warhead by UK Subs was a lot easier than you know, than um, anything off stand up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and um, so so what what was it what was slits like then, Budgie? Um <laughs> if you don't mind me changing the subject. I can't imagine, understand really, it was all chance, it was pure fate and chance that I ended up, my band, the, my band, the band I was in, the Spitfire Boys, with Paul Rutherford and and two other guys from St. Helens who knocked on my door, um, but we went to London a couple of times, uh, Paul got on with Ariana, we were staying at some house, we kind of become friends with the slits uh we we opened for them at the covent garden rock garden yeah when there was about i think we outnumbered the audience you know <laughs> they they basically knew that they couldn't make the album they wanted with uh without a drummer that would play the same beat for more than um 30 seconds yeah so (laughs) so that's how i met the slits uh my audition comprised of knocking on uh nora uh ariana's mum and uh, ariana appeared like in a t-shirt and knickers uh and just proceeded to play me a record collection and i i just sat there going oh she rocks like me when i'm playing listening to music She, she was just like manically rocking backwards and forwards on a sofa and giggling at me and I'm going, it's like, isn't it great? I was going like, yeah, it's great. I love all this music. So next thing I'm in the band. (laughs) 
have, have, we, have we all had a run-in with the, the wretched booze? We have, haven't we? I think we have. Booze and all the stuff that goes with it. It's part for the course, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, it sort of got me by surprise somehow. It creeps up on you, doesn't it? it certainly does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of okay until like 2003, 2004. And then I, I actually gave up in 2006, so... But I didn't, you know, I, I was all right up until that point, really. But then I just kind of put a load of weight on and sort of just couldn't re- even rehearse without without, without drinking a bottle of wine, really. You know, yeah. Like, that's just to even rehearse. And then, but I couldn't sing during a gig, so I, I had to work it out somehow. But uh, <laughs> We managed never to, you know, we never went on stage drunk or yeah. anywhere, anywhere near it. We, we'd have, like, one drink, yeah. like, it, amazing. Me, Severin, and McGeeot would meet for like a, a, a vodka or something, a vodka, and and drink it quick before Susie came down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's okay. I'm just waiting for you. Said, right. Let's go to the gig now. I'm feeling right. a bit kind of okay, but it was only afterwards <laughs> we got we got we got started. But drink for me was like if if there was like uh, we'd fo- you know me and Susie would follow the recording to its bitter end. You know. Um, right. And it was the only time that we could, if you like, be alone, but it'd be okay, was in the cutting room. And I'd go down the cutting room. I used to go everywhere with a plastic bag of Frascati. Oh, my God. <laughs> the white, almost sparkling Italian wine. A poor cutting engineer is going like, oh, no, Budgie's here again. You know, he sit at the back and clink. <laughs> clunk clink sounds great yeah, yeah. sounds great <laughs> but really it was like it, it was the, like life the party was wherever we could take it and, and make it yeah, yeah Be- because it, yeah. otherwise you'd have to hang out with all these people that were going like hey susie susie do you want to come out you know blah blah or have, a f- have a fight you know something like that yeah um i don't know you end up yeah. in a kind of I don't know, like a like a world that nobody else can get into, and you can't get out of. Yeah, you can't, well, I think that's the truth. The last bit, you can't get out of it, and that was the worst thing. I mean, for us, you know, by the time we got to the end of pornography, if we just had a had a stopped for about six months, we'd have been fine, you know. But we still sort of kept going, and even though it was just like the two of us at that point, we were still kind of nuts, you know. And I think you know, then we went started to go back on tour and stuff, and it and it got worse. I mean. Touring, we did a lot of touring, and and it. Mm. And it you mustn't forget that lol. That Robert did have a little rest. He came and joined the Banshees. That's didn't right, he? he did. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was it. <laughs> that, that, well, that was why why he was doing the why he was doing the top. He would come back from Banshee sessions and come and come down to visit me and carry on, you know, doing the top. So he well was rested, like, well yeah. rested from the Banshees. Uh, was, you know, because we were really yeah. productive, making lots of. Um, Lots of um, cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. Sitting in a, we were sitting in Angel Studios in Upper Street, having oh, having no, not no. written a song. Which album's this yeah. for? Hoping for Hyena. Yes, yeah. Hyena. We we uh, the creatures had just done Feast, I think. Yeah. Good record. And Severin and, and Robert had just done the Glove album. Glove, yeah. yeah. And we came we came together almost like in the studio and saying, well, we, we should get on with that Banshees album now. That's where it, that's. So the, the angel was, was, did you do Heine with Hedges? Was that? 
Yeah, we were the first first band in uh, the Angel Studios because we did head in the door after that. In that same, he just didn't. Robert didn't want to leave the studio after that wonderful experience. Uh, no, that's right. That was it. But did he have did he have uh, the Sky Electric going round the studio? Because we head on the door. That's the thing I remember the most. We'd have this Sky Electric going around the the whole of that big room. That's the the model racing car. Yes, electric racing car things. Right, electric racer car. Well, we'd fill them up with IPA, you know, like <laughs> alcohol, and turn all the lights off and set them alight, you know, so they would go round and round. Can we just explain what IPA is? Do you have that in... in, in have it in Manchester, yeah. <laughs> isopropyl alcohol, yeah. Well, I studied chemistry, right? So that's isopropyl alcohol for you. There's a, a young lady came down the studio and was attacking a Fender Jaguar, with a with like whittling knife and making beads and things wow. and it, ruining yeah, the guitar, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> make, but it was it was it was art. Yeah. It was art. Um, I was uh, spinning symbols around like big pennies, you know, on on the floor of the studio until he went going. Oh, great sound! Yeah, uh, Severin was having a new bass made. <laughs> it was like. Some guys coming down like, where would you like the mother of Pearl inlay? Oh, oh my goodness. There was a moment with Robert and his sister sitting at the harpsichord playing Dear Prudence. Right, Janet, Janet. Wow. Yes. And I can I remember the image of the, like, because we'd done all the backing track and everything was on there. And this, the harpsichord was almost the yeah. finishing touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, we, we really don't, didn't seem prepared for this. And yet, you know, out of chaos, it was sort of, it didn't seem an album that had a single, but it had a lot of um, great moments in it. You know, the, we were allowed to make those albums. Yeah, yeah, then. yeah. Yeah, I mean, t t time in the studio. I mean, we did six months for our first, for our third album, and then nine nine months for our, our fourth album. And it, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. it, was, it was quite, a, it was, a, um, you know, a, a reasonable studio the price you know so it wasn't uh, and it was in a residential one in, in wales uh um and um we just spent just we just lived there and made music and it was just felt like we were the rolling stones doing exile on main street or something like that <laughs> and, and just got like living you know just living the life and it, it, was, it was amazing i, I don't know I, I think we could Probably done them in three weeks, but um, I suppose it's the the theory like that Can had, where they 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 really clocked into it very early that, to make their own studio yeah. space, so that they wouldn't have to pay anybody. Yeah, we just didn't. We never worked that one out. I don't think. My teaching gig comes to an end this week, really. I'm going to try and haul myself up somewhere and write my proper proposal for the m memoir I want to write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's kind of daunting, and you've been there, I know. Uh, well, yes, I enjoyed it. Well, I mean, uh, for, 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 for a book, I mean, I, I had somebody who wanted me to write one, and I, I thought about it, but it was there were only fleeting thoughts. And, mm. um, and he just kept taking me to this... Um, to this really nice private club on on uh, Dean Street, um, uh, Quo Vada, I think it was, and um, and uh, and they had great coffee and, and and great cake, and I just thought, 
I'll think about it a bit more. And he just kept taking me and I was like, okay, I'll do one. And then I handed it, I handed my first draft in. It was 30,000 words, all in capital letters and no punctuation. <laughs> That's great. That's <laughs> and uh, great. and um, so we kind of started and then he asked if I wanted to have um, a um, ghostwriter. And I said, yeah, may as well. And because uh, I didn't know any different. And um, so I met, a couple of ghostwriters, cut long story short, not none of it worked. And I just I just came to the conclusion that, you know, if I'd done 30,000, I could do 80. Uh, I could learn how to punctuate. And with a bit of help and a bit of, a, a bit of uh, guidance from the editor, um, I managed to get a decent memoir. Yeah. Uh, that's, pr- that's pretty much the, the, the story that I have. You know, I never had a ghost writer i had some help you know with a good editor yeah that makes that makes some difference but i was the same as you know I, i'd write like long rambling sentences yeah, and they're yeah. going, <laughs> they, go, they go well you know you could chop this one into three bits let's chop this one into three bits and exactly like, and then uh, elaborate on on on, yeah. on sections of it and, and all that yeah. and it was really i really enjoyed it in the end um um so much so that i did i did more you know you've got three books right yeah, and I'm now uh, working on a fourth, which is the uh, listening party book that you've both obviously right. both been both been heavily involved in. And uh, I need to ask Budgie if he uh, would allow me uh, permissions to use his tweets in the book. Lord's already means. said yes. Oh, yes. thank you very much. Thank you yes. very much. <laughs> I, I, did, I did send you an email and no, didn't get a response. So I thought, no, uh, this I, is I, I must apologize, but <laughs> don't worry. please go ahead. Oh, that's, that, that's so great. Uh, yeah. So basically, um, you know, uh, my royalties and the, a huge donation from uh, DK books, are, um, uh, giving the m- money to uh, music venue trust, uh, which is really great. So it kind of means that everyone who, you know, basically, I'm using everyone's tweets to put into a book under the uh, banner of the listening party, but it's actually helping lo- a lot of people. So uh, who've been affected by COVID, I thought that'd be a good, a, a good thing, a wise thing to do with it, make everyone feel who contributed yeah. good about it. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the listening party has been like a, a sort of phenomenon. You know, I mean, I, I, I got to say, personally, I feel like you single-handedly saved. Uh, music in the last year or so with it all you know well um i, I think i think we uh, uh you know maybe the platform as a as a very early idea was was helpful you know but everybody getting on board and helping um you know you know like your good selves and and, and everyone else who is taking part in it you know i i am maiden paul mccartney you know <laughs> susie and the banshees the cure you know it's yeah. like it's just everybody everybody's done it it's funny now. because um in some ways it's made more of a community than exactly. it was before you know exactly yeah people were really really great about about it and 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 i think everyone felt that they were helping keeping people motivated uh, through the dark nights you know especially like on the second lockdown around about christmas time and stuff it was it was really difficult winter and you know n- no one having any anything nobody really having anything to do and and nobody having and and, and if everybody who lived together in the same house didn't have the same music taste so um, <laughs> you know they could you know some people could just go put some headphones on watch their favorite artist tweet and um and listen to a record together you know 
it's kept felt like it was together yeah that was the amazing thing for me i mean i you know i i, I don't know how you felt budgie but i felt when i did it was it, it was it was it was like a sort of remote gig in a way you know because i i knew that people were, were online and uh you know i was listening to something maybe i hadn't listened to it for a while and and i just had to kind of remember oh yeah that that thing happened here and that thing happened there i mean you know after it finishes you know maybe the album's like 40 minutes long after it finishes i was online for about five hours you know just <laughs> talking up to, with people and sent these questions you know but it was wonderful it was a wonderful experience you know yeah so. and it just adds it's it's kind of sharing something that i guess you don't get to share in a in a music magazine and things like that you know because there's not enough time or there's you know more people in the band or something like that that um that, that to have you know to get your own personal archive and sort of share it. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing for people to see and, and for uh, artists to, uh, to do. Yeah. I, I'm sure you've, you've found, I found this with, with my, my first book is, is that people fall into sort of two categories. You know, they, they either want to know sort of like the emotional side of how you came to be in a band and make music and stuff. But they also want to know the like the, the the little things behind it all that you wouldn't normally see, like you say, like the photos that are in your private collection and stuff. Um, so it was it was a way to give that, and people are very um, appreciative of that. I found which was kind of amazing to me because I'm like, oh, it's just an old shot of the two of us <laughs> together sitting somewhere, you know. And it's like, wow, they liked it, you know. So that was that was cool. I like the experience of reliving the the album with people, this uh, <laughs> revisiting a moment in you know, be it the band or the the life. What, what was happening? You know, mine was like, I think we were celebrating forty years anniversary of yeah, Kaleidoscope, um, which is just in itself is mind boggling, um, because I just arrived and not not long since arrived in london and it was my first my introduction to the band i wow. joined during the making of an album um and sort of share that moment because it because back in the time when it was released all you're doing is talking about it as a band as a mm. as a promotional thing as a, a a tour coming up as a guitarist you just found and you've learned the songs and you're going to go and play them for the first time but with all the, the years that have passed, the hindsight thing, it's more personal in a way. The band's gone already. And yeah. so you're actually revisiting as a kind of a fan in a way, because I've not listened to it for such a long time. Yeah. Did you find that with other people? Is that the way people kind of ended up in the past? Uh well, I mean, when you were talking about it then, I just get shivers down my spine because, I mean, that record went, you know, such a lot to me, you know, I bought Christine, uh, Happy House, you know, when, when they came out as singles, you know, I mean, I was like, I was there as a fan, you know, wait, wait, waiting for more. That's, uh, it's so great to see you. It's, it's great to see you too, yes. Tim. Thank you. And uh, thank you for everything and, uh, and, and have a great day.
Lol, it's curious question time. You've got all the questions tonight, by the way. I, I, I'm, I I'm, like, I'm liking this. It's like, it's like you, you've become the quiz master. Well, it's only because I got the computer with all the questions on. But um, does anybody out there remember Bamba Gascoigne? You wouldn't in yes, America, but it's an English, old English uh, quiz. Yeah. University challenge. Yes, right. Ask so, the questions, Lawrence Tolhurst. Okay, post-punk drumming. That's what this question's on, right? And it's from Gary Clark, and I know Gary Clark because. Um, it could be a relation to me. Yeah, he could. He's um, he, he has a, a, a Cure tribute band called the Cure Heads. <laughs> Is he Gary Clark with or without an E? He's uh, like yourself with an E. With an E? Yeah. He would have been called, if he was in the north of England, Clarky. Yeah. Clarky. Okay. Clarky. So Clarky says, what is, Clarky. There, <laughs> what is there about post-punk music that still has the public, not just the people in the no industry, discussing musicians by name very rarely these days does anyone talk about individual musicians however when various genres around the time of post-punk are discussed discussed various names not just vocalists crop up khan budgie tolhurst hook severin captain jones ash aston duffy gallop mar et al the list goes on and on mm. Why did his, his his question now? Why did the post punk era spawn so many instantly recognisable players? There were one or two in the nineties, Bernard Butler for one. But why does the panel think? I guess that's it. We are the panel. Does uh, the team think uh, that most that most George Ezra or Ed Sheeran fans couldn't tell you who plays in their band? Ah, you see, I suppose it's that uh, that we uh, everybody was as important as everybody else. That's right, punk, egalitarian kind of uh, musical time, yeah. We we coined it. We took it off the French. Egalité, fraternité, liberté. (laughs) And we made it into, uh, uh, maybe there wasn't very many of us. (laughs) I think it's probably a bit of both, isn't it? There wasn't that many of us, because there was probably at any one time, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get some... Uh, replies about this but to my way of thinking there was probably more no more than 20 or 30 you know bands coming up at any one time in in those early years you know maybe you know it would change constantly but i don't really think that if you'd sat down and said name me you know 20 bands right now that are influenced you know mind you yeah we've had they've had we've everybody's had like 40 odd years to 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 remember these names as well and uh, very good point yeah and also uh, unlike the many of the uh, the the, say the guys who play with um who did mention ed sheeran or something there's nobody playing with ed sheeran he's on his own he's the the guy's a one-man band right? right but um no, the, the guy, the people today and in the nineties as well would be more inclined to be very good at their instrument, right. and would be known for playing, you know, the bass yeah. or the drums, and, and quite often we were just, you know, bluffing. Yeah, <laughs> and we became kind of good at what we do, but really it was everybody who could make the most noise. Yes, but also I think. And that's absolutely correct. I think also that there's a point that Gary kind of sort of brings up, but but it's like it was a time of immense change. So therefore, anybody involved in it had had an identity. Punk was a pivotal moment. So for mm. for that to be a pivotal mm. moment, the people that were involved in it 
you know, it was, a, it was a great change. So I think that that's stuck in people's minds. Also, I suppose if you go back to like the sixties and you take, you know, the, the change with the, you know, what would be out here, the, the, you know, the British invasion that there's lots of people that remember the names of all the people in, in all of those bands then as well. Except, you know, if, could you remember anybody else in the Moody Blues, for instance, or, uh, Justin, apart from Justin Hayward, yeah, Justin Hayward, you know, or could you name yeah. anybody in Hercut 100? Um, yes, uh, Nick Hayward. Nick, oh, Nick, see, is he Justin's? He might be Justin's uh, little brother. You never know. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, he can. We still, yeah. we can remember certain ones because they used to pick the best musicians. They used right. to kind of, you know, let's get Jimmy Page in. Let's nick him from the Yardbirds and put him in this band. Yeah. Whereas I just looked at this book of photographs from 1977 to 82 around Liverpool, right. and everybody in the book is a character, whether they're in a band or not. Yeah. And if you wanted a bass player, a guitarist, first of all, you'd look around seeing who was the best looking person and then ask them, do you play guitar? Yeah, that was very true to a greater or less extent. It was such a, a cultural revolution that you had, to, you had to be, you know, as they would say nowadays, OG, you had to be the, the original, the originator of whatever you were doing. And if you were doing that, then... You get in, and I guess that means that as personalities over the years, uh, things have become that much more um, amplified in the public's imagination. Yeah, and thank goodness for that for us. Oh, we, 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 we are all characters. Okay, we have. I can see you're studying the next question. So the next question is is a little contentious, but we we like those ones from time to time because they they send us off on trains of thought. Ooh, like a bit of contentious. Rama, Rama Giafari says, Hi guys, thanks for doing this. Budgie, where were you when you went missing in New York City? So that's the first part of the question. Right? I have a stunned face. <laughs> yeah. a, fa a face of uh, non recollection. Carry on. Lol, did you ask not to be drumming and switch to keys, or did Robert ask you? Mm. thanks guys rama thanks so, rama yeah now rama you need to help me out here i think we need a, a kind of a, a kind of bit of a verification of the date you know which 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 what time what what day what what year in new york city i do remember I, I, there are several moments when i may have lost my way in new york city it's easy to do <laughs> Do any of them jump out particularly? I think there was a, a, a I do recall running rampant through New York City with Adam Peters. Adam, who was part of, um, with Ben Watkins, my old mate Ben, part of, who's now Juno Reactor. They were the flower pot men at the time. Oh, I know Adam. Mm. Yes, yes, I know Adam. I don't know. I can't really go on from that. They just <laughs> We were running and I ended up in a skip, I think, ah, which yes. was rather comfortable at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it can, at least it been. slowed me down a bit. <laughs> yeah. Those, those dumpsters, which is what they call skips here, are very... Um, a dumpster. Yeah. They're very uh, comfortable, I understand. Depends what's in them. Yeah. Well, it depends what's in them and how high you have fallen to get in those things, you know, so... I'm just trying to think if there was a moment, you know, a high, mm. po a high point. Mm. I'm not sure it can be a high point, you know, of going missing in New York City. 
Yeah. I always tried to be um, missing. Right. You know, it was it was a thing, a thing. If you could get, if you'd be missed from a tour, yeah. Presuming you're on tour at the time, it was very difficult to break off from the touring party. And um, I think a lot of the antics were to do with getting some, I don't know, space, yeah. space away from everything. Right. That leads us very neatly onto the second part of uh, uh, Rama's question. Um, did I change because I was asked? Was I, was I pushed or did I fall? I suppose is the question. And uh, the answer really is six of one and half a dozen of the other. To a certain point, for me, there came a point where there was, because there was, I was not classically trained as a drummer, uh, there was a much bigger learning curve for me to get past certain things to make things more poly interesting i guess is probably the the you know the term although that could be misconstrued i suppose but i wanted to make it you know a little more interesting and i felt the easiest way to do that was probably the quickest way to do it because you have to remember back then we were doing like an album a year and it was like bang 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 really fast so there's no way anybody could learn something a little more complex within you know a space of six months or a year and, and do it legitimately. So I thought, well, but I can hear these things in my head. How about I program them? Because all the, you know, the technology was coming out to do that. How about I do that? Because, you know, I'm a modern man. I'm not afraid of drum machines and stuff. And um, so I went more that way. And gradually it became obvious, well, that would be like a really good thing to do. And then from there I can go on to keyboards, which are, you know, very approachable for most drummers because they're a rhythm instrument. You know, you look at the orchestra, you see the timpani with the piano forte. That's exactly the relationship. So, and of course, also in the back of my mind was, hey, then I'll be at the front of the stage as well. So, you know, that was kind of good. My first love is still drums, you know, because I, I love the, the, the physicality of it. And the, it's much more aligned with the life force, you know, to be actually, you know, playing something that makes your body feel different as you're doing it. Um, where, whereas, you know, keyboards and synths and drum machines are much more, um, you know, cerebral and I'm attracted to both sides to make it, make it work. It's, it's interesting. I suppose we, both of us, um, we were not, as you say, we, we, we didn't come out drumming, um, from a, I, I must play the drums is something I've always wanted to do. It was certainly mm. what, what I enjoy doing. And but it wasn't. Yeah, I didn't know what I was going to do when I started being involved in music. Um, right, right. I was always of the opinion that I was an artistic person, and um, whatever it required of the song or the music to do, whatever I could contribute would be what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I think you're very much like that as well. I mean, I know with the creatures, how much, yeah, how many different instruments you played on, on the creatures recordings. And oh, I say I did, I, I hit struck or blew all the instruments on the creatures recordings. Right. 
Right. But I couldn't. I can't play any of those instruments. I could never sit down in the bar or in your, you know, right, right. around your mate's house and oh, not yeah. your tuna on the marimba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give us a tune, budge. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was just, I'm just, thing. I'm not that person. I, I don't sit around and play drums. I don't learn rudiments. I, I don't yeah. try and master the instrument. I let it. No. I, I hopefully wait until it tells me what to do. You know, right? Um, or I hear something and go how on earth do i do that it was i i I even went as far as learning hexadecimal to program the ensonic mirage which was you know that's like you probably need well you don't need a phd but you might need a degree in physics to understand some of that stuff and you you went you went a step further than i ever would (laughs) well you know i think we have a very similar approach to the whole thing and it's it's telling i've always maintained that there are two types of musicians in the world there are musicians of our ilk and there are musicians like my sister who who teaches piano who can play most anything you put in front of her but cannot really think about playing something of her own composition perhaps you know you 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 have to be a good performer you have to know a little bit about the instrument but you also have to know your way around new york yeah you have to to know how to get lost and how to find your way back to the hotel yeah these are all these are things you can't teach a person (laughs) you have to know how to get lost a little bit to be able to make something musical you know you have to leave you behind a little bit and your analytical mind and just go wow that just sounds really good doing that i'm just going to do it whether or not it's musically correct you know yeah Curious Creatures is created and presented by Vol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer, Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier. Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate producer, Sophie Spare. Social media, Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas K. Music production, Jack Knife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web. And you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. I love saying www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter, at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram and at doubleelvisfm on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2021.